welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass and marching band. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director and musician from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, the lessons they've been given and the lessons that they give and how they're making an impact on their bands and communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the global band room. And now on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the band room. Uh, we have a brilliant interview coming up with John Phillips, the Chief Judge Administrator with Drum Corps International. Uh, it's a slightly longer uh, interview than some of the ones that we've done so far. Um, so we'll keep the news section pretty short tonight. Um, the uh, big news that we have uh, today is that the Bands of Ireland, Ireland's Call Virtual Band Project has been completed and finalised. I have seen and heard the final mix of this. I'm really excited to release it and let everyone know about it. Uh, but we have been given a really nice opportunity to uh, give it a proper premiere uh, next week on uh, Friday, May 1st. Um, I can't give any more details about that, unfortunately, right now at the moment, but uh, it will be a significant premiere of of this. And uh, yeah, really looking forward for everyone to see it. Uh, it sounds fabulous, guys. And thank you to everyone that was involved. Huge thank you to Mark Armstrong for arranging the music, Phil Coulter, obviously, for composing it and getting his support behind it too. Uh, and then the uh, John Carpenter for working with me and... Um, coming up with the concept of it and then of course to the um the real heroes of the project Stephen Mackin who mixed all of the video and uh put all of that together and then Brian Masterson who did the audio on it then as well um it was a huge project and um yeah it's something that we're all going to be able to look back on uh this crazy um world crisis but something positive that we we all worked on together during this time so that's coming next week. Uh, Darius Kudrowski, uh and the Polish Virtual Wind Orchestra, they released their uh, uh, virtual band project Elena's Dance and that is now up on their Facebook page and on YouTube. So if you were part of that, um, do go over and have a, have, have, have a look at it. Uh, I'll link the YouTube link in the, in the show notes as well and you can go and check that out. It, it sounds great and it looks really cool. And yeah, I think that was the first of probably a lot of the, the projects that many of us recorded ourselves to actually get out. Um, I know next Friday when we do release the Bands of Ireland project, um, the Lone Star Wind Orchestra will also be releasing their Stars and Stripes recording then as well that same day. So uh, very exciting projects to look forward to on that day so um on to our interview from uh, the other night uh, john phillips is a very uh, charming intelligent uh, man uh, and i got to know him originally through the uh, womsby network the world association of marching show bands uh, but john has been the chief judge administrator with drum corps international for uh, just over 20 years and uh, that's a long time i think he's the longest 
ever to hold that particular position and hugely regarded right across the drum corps world and uh, that's by administrators by judges by directors and uh, i think when you hear the interview you'll be able to tell why and uh, being a huge supporter of some of the work that we do here in ireland and i know he is elsewhere in the world then as well so sit back relax and enjoy this interview with john phillips from dci Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Global Band Room. My name is Keith Kelly, and uh, each evening I have been uh, joined by someone uh, from the band world and around the band world, and this evening I am absolutely delighted to be joined by a friend and colleague um, and DCI's Chief Judge Administrator, John Phillips, all the way over in Florida. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great, Keith. It's so great to see you and have a, a friendly face on the other side of this. This is awesome. Have you been able to chat with many friends or colleagues over the last while? Have you been busy from a, a virtual point of view? Yes, actually, we've uh, we've had some ongoing uh, meetings, you know, virtual meetings with uh, the DCI broader community. Uh, I also do some work with Bands of America. We had an extensive call yesterday with uh, a number of uh, teachers from across the United States participating in that call. Um, Get together every Friday with some of my Judge Admin team colleagues, and we have a, a virtual uh, hour of enjoyment and uh, catching up. So I think there's a lot of that going on every week for, for folks. And yeah, and what I found found a lot of it to be is a lot of us can't really talk about work too much because there's no real work to to be done in some in some cases. And um, but but I've seen a lot of colleagues and clients just calling and just just catching up and you know having a beer <laughs> well and i agree it and if there's anything that is positive about this it's it's helped to connect and reconnect us with so many people and you know i mean i think we're spending more time with family and friends this way than we might have otherwise been able to do by meeting in person so i, I guess that's one of the upsides of this craziness uh, absolutely. I mean, I've actually been able to sit down for a half an hour with my daughter, Faye, and practice flute with her every day. And she's far, far better than me. <laughs> and I saw she's trying to take your job. I saw her on the microphone the other day on, <laughs> on a Facebook post. <laughs> she's, uh, she, watch out. She's uh, going to take over soon. She she does all, she does all the technical work and gets, gets everything set up for me before I walk in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, your kids are really sweet. And uh, I know how difficult this was. I mean, literally, I was, you know, when I sent my note to your uh, um, friends of Ireland, the bands of Ireland, um, back in March, um, wishing them well under the circumstances and not having that opportunity for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations. Um, you know, the same thing was happening in Indianapolis for the many concert bands that had assembled for the national festival. It was, it was really a difficult time. Um, but seeing the kids, your, your own kids, and uh, the ones that you you started with your community band, mm -hmm. um, you know, those are great uh, images, and you, we have that to look forward to, you know, on the other side. Mm -hmm. of this. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it was sort of heart wrenching uh, for us this year. I, mean, I know, I know, it was for every band in the country for St. Patrick's Day, um, but our band, it was our first year that we were going to bring them out marching for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, they're all like seven and seven to ten years of age, and we've done so much work, you know, yeah. um, to to prepare them for that, and uh, ultimately it didn't happen. But look, you, you're you're one hundred percent right. I mean, it's you know they, they will be out marching again and, and and that work hasn't gone to to waste um but uh, we had a little virtual parade they all paraded around their houses and we put it together stitched it together as a video and put it out on the balance hotel and page then as well so it was 
pretty cute. So if anyone wants to see our little virtual parade, you can head over to the Band and Slow Town Band uh, page and check that out. But John, let me, um, so what I, I want to touch a, a, quite a bit on the DCI 2020 season, because that's, obviously that's uh, the elephant in the room um, and, um, and, and sort of the work that you're going to be finding yourself doing and not doing this year. Um, but before I did that, I kind of wanted to, for anyone that's that's tuned into this, we have quite a few Irish musicians that tune in into this, obviously, and many of them wouldn't have come across you before, and many of them wouldn't have come across drum corps b- b- before. So mm. tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, you're a Canadian um, originally, is that right? That's correct. Well, yeah. I'm still a Canadian, yes. I still, still a Canadian. But, uh, yeah, and I moved to the United States. Um, but, you, well, you know, very similar to the young uh, musicians that you are instructing. Uh, that I started out at 10 years old and, and I, my, my mother had a local newspaper and there was an advertisement in there said, um, boys trumpet band, you know, and they were having auditions for this oh, trumpet band, you know, 10 years old. She said, well, I think you, you know, I'd been taking piano lessons. She said, it's time you learned a, an instrument. A real instrument. So yeah. So my older brother, he drove me to uh, where the rehearsal was going to be, which was in a, a basement of a fire hall, a fire station. And uh, the group was called the Scarborough Firefighters. And it was a community in a uh, suburb of the city of Toronto, uh, sponsored by the Fire Association. And um, it was an unusual trumpet because it had no valves on it. Uh, and in fact, it was a bugle. Yeah, it was a bugle. And like many bands in, in Europe, um, and you know, a lot of the musicians listening here, they may have started on a straight bugle instrument. Uh, so that, that was it. That's where the journey began. And over the course of my uh, youth, I worked my way up adding various uh, valves and rotors. And by the time I left playing in a, a it eventually became a drum corps. Um, we had two valves on the bugle and, um, they were pitched in G. There was a key of G, and then you depress. You know, we we had G F and G D, um, and it it was quite a quite an uh, I think a great foundation. From that, I eventually played a legitimate trumpet, and uh, took lessons and uh, through high school. In fact, interestingly, I don't know, or maybe not to some of these folks, um, I played French horn. The uh, you know the French horn. That was that was your concert band instrument. Yeah, and, and concert band through high school. And in my senior year, I went to a, con- a jazz club and I, I heard a gentleman playing the trumpet. His name was Maynard Ferguson. Yeah. So I came back after that weekend and broke my te- music teacher's heart because <laughs> I said, I don't want to play horn anymore. I want to play trumpet. So I took a year of trumpet lessons and then got into university program. And, and what was really great is that the university where I started was, was in London, Ontario, Canada, the University of Western Ontario is where I completed my teaching years at the University of Western Ontario. So I went there as an undergraduate student, then went off and taught in the public school system, uh, some other diversions along the way. But I ended up, my final years of teaching in the formal system was in London, Ontario at the University of Western Ontario. And was your, was your major in music education or music performance? Uh, education. In, but, in education. Uh, yeah, but you know that, that the great thing about that school was there was a lot of emphasis for music education perform, uh, to be involved as performers. And I spent a couple of summers uh, while I was there as an undergraduate at the Banff School of Fine Arts in Alberta, Canada, 
And mm -hmm. our artists in residence was a group known as the Canadian Brass. And some people listening to this broadcast might be familiar with them. Yeah. Um, and Charles Dallenbach, who's still with the Canadian Brass, a tuba player, um, was in the group at that time. And uh, I got the great privilege and honor to uh, study with Ronald Rom and Frederick Mills uh, as the trumpet players uh, when I was out in Banff, Alberta. So it was a pretty, pretty cool experience in the mountains every day, music with the Canadian Brass. Alberta seems to be a real powerhouse for music education, doesn't it? Is, am I right in saying that? There just seems to be so many good groups coming out of Alberta over the years. Um, it, it, it seems to be um, certainly one of the strong parts of Canada for music education. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I go out there very often to adjudicate uh, music festivals, concert festivals. Uh, and also in the summer, I go out, they have a, a show band festival that's uh, hosted by the, the Stampede organization. The Calgary Stampede is a, a very large rodeo that takes place for 10 days every summer in Calgary. And they have uh, three bands that are under the umbrella, actually four. There's a alumni band and they, you know, they're very entertaining. And they perform, oh, I can't, you know, the, the the senior marching band, I mean, they do 10 performances a day. And, mm -hmm. and it was a big fundraiser for them. But they're incredible. Calgary Stampede show band. And those it's, who are listening. They are professional. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they are a professional, uh, almost organization um, for those for those summer months, really. I mean, like, they are, they're performing more than professional players will perform. Yeah, and I mean, talk about just building your craft and, and developing skills over time. But they have a great instructional team and yeah. uh, it's a very well-managed organization. And they travel a lot, they travel the world, they're participating in the Wamsby World Association of Marching Show Band events that you and I are both familiar with and those mm -hmm. take place all over the world. So, and they've um, performed for anyone that's that's traveled to Indianapolis uh, for DCI finals, they've performed there a number of times and actually we're due to be there this year as well. They were going to perform an open class this year. Um, what I love about their band actually is that they're very uh, authentically themselves. You know, um, they, uh, they don't pretend to be uh, they don't try to be uh, another style. They are definitely uh, of Calgary, and they, you know, even even in their whole dress and how they wear, what what they wear, and so on. Yes, they're the epitome of cowboys. Uh, yeah. And and you know, it. I was also going out there again. I, I've been going for at least ten or fifteen years now to uh, the Stampede to uh, evaluate their event and give clinics and do some work with the group. Um, but uh, they they had to unfortunately cancel the show band side of it. Now the stampede is still to be determined, so we'll see how, how this all goes, whether or not that'll happen, because that's a huge fundraiser for the city. Yeah. yeah. So the stampede, the, the stampede itself, um, I'd say, is not just the band, but the but the whole. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know what the stampede is, it's an agricultural rodeo um, month long festival, isn't that right? Uh, it's not quite that long, but they have a, a very large parade that, that kicks it off. Uh, it's about 10 to 12 days. And as you said, agricultural, but they have a, a I guess what we would call um, a midway. It's a amusement rides, you know, Ferris wheels and roller coasters and games and all that sort of thing in conjunction with all of the agricultural part mm -hmm. and rodeo. I mean, they have chuck wagon races and Broncos and all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's a it's an amazing experience. Um, so we know that uh, it's still on the books, the Stampede, but unfortunately, the the organizing band committee decided they didn't want to take the risk with housing and right. having that you know everybody so close 
until we know exactly what's going on, they felt uh, give people a chance to to make other plans and not necessarily mm. want to go there and perform this year. No, and look, it's, I mean, I think it's I think it's understandable. I think I think any of us that are involved in an in administration level or organizing level for this sort of thing, um, completely understand um, the sort of decisions that people have had to make, make, and and the tough decisions people have had to make. The first one out that I've seen um, in recent days being changed is the Kerkrada, uh, the World Music Contest for 2021 has actually been pushed out to 2022 now, um, which is that's definitely by far the furthest, and I can see why. Why they're making making decisions like that, um, but it's the first that I've seen, first event in twenty twenty one that I've seen being moved. So mm. we hopefully that hopefully that'll be the only one that we see see that happening to. Yeah. So John, um, you then started. So you you've been judging for pretty much the entirety of your career. What brought you into um, the judging work that that you do? And um, I mean. I, I kind of see. I see 1974 as a as a as a date of your first judging uh, competition, uh, and you're still judging uh, now. Um, it's something that a lot of people try their hands at and uh, decide after a while that maybe they've had enough of it, because um, it's 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 tough. It's a tough job. It's it, you know I've I've seen um, I've seen some judges come under a lot of fire, and and uh, it must be it must be a very um, uh, you must love what you do to keep to keep doing it. it. Must be a calling for you. Well, I you know I'll come back to my experience at university, and I and I had a professor there who was doing some experiments uh, on evaluation and assessment, and he was basically um, here's one of the ex experiments that we did. So in his his um, psychology of music education class, one of the experiments we did was listen to uh, a number of performances of a, a trumpet solo. And we rated those. We, we, you know, we rated them and ranked them in order. And one of the things that he did was he repeated some of the previous performances. And he was showing data to see how reliable uh, humans were at making evaluation and assessment, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. So we might have the first performer play, and that per first performance might be heard again six performances later. And it was interesting. He was looking for how... Um, accurate people were, would they give the same score to exactly the same performance? And in some cases they didn't. So that kind of whet my appetite and I got interested in that. So as an undergraduate, interestingly, I think, um, I uh, taught the marching band at the university uh, in my fourth and in my, my graduate year as well. Um, for two years, uh, I ran the marching band. I, I wrote the drill, I, I taught the music, um, you know, started writing arrangements. And from that, I, I made some connections with a, a couple of groups in Michigan, uh, drum corps, and I started writing musical arrangements for them. And through that, I was introduced to the, the whole DCI organization as, a, as an instructor, but really on the periphery, because Canada still wasn't part of the whole DCI framework at this point. 1976 was my first official year as a DCI judge. But in my undergraduate year, uh, I was still in school. I started doing some judge training locally in Ontario. And then, I don't know, the rest is history. I mean, I was fortunate to meet the judge administrator. His name was Donald Angelica. He had a huge influence on a number of folks uh, in the activity, even to this day. I mean, I, you know, Wayne Downey and some of those people, we all 
I grew up with Donald Angelica's influence and Michael Cesario. And as a result, um, you know, I just caught the bug. I mean, I marched in drum corps. I went to university and took legitimate training in, in music and music education. But it's always been in my blood. It's always been in my roots. Uh, and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, my first year of judging for DCI, I judged the championships in Philadelphia. It was a huge deal. Wow. It was a big, big, big deal. Yeah. So I must have fooled them pretty well <laughs> for all these years. You know? Well, I, I, I suppose what I find fascinating is is to 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 be st to, to still be doing that um, so many years later. Um, because you know, um, we've all seen judges come under fire, just like sports referees come under fire. Um, what sort of person does it take to make a good judge, um, and and to be and to be able to last the, um, the the amount of time that you've been able to last in the in, in the role? Well, I, I'm not trying I to mean, make you feel old, John. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I don't feel old, and I think that's part of it. I think you know that. Um, I will say that along the way, I took an, I took a couple of years where I did do some teaching, and and I worked uh, for a few years with um, some different drum corps. So over the years, I've had uh, some teaching experience with the Boston Crusaders. In fact, uh, we came to Europe uh, with the Boston Crusaders in the early '80s. I think it was like 1983. 81, 82, it is a distant memory now, but uh, yeah, came over to, uh, we were in the UK and uh, in, in Paris and uh, in the Netherlands. Um, so that was a great experience. So that particular summer, I, I didn't do any judging. I also worked with a, another group from, um, from the Boston area called the Defenders. They're no longer uh, an organization. And then in the 90s, uh, I spent three years with the Bluecoats as a program coordinator. Um, some of my Canadian friends were teaching there and they asked me to come and, you know, just kind of oversee some of the, the development of the program. And, um, you know, it was, it was really great to take those years off. Every time I did that, um, I came back, I think, as a better judge. I also taught a couple of cores in Ontario uh, over the years uh, when I was judging with DCI. So I think that teaching and uh, judging is important. So you, I think you have to have some experience in instructing to be a good judge. Yeah. Um, folks can go to the DCI website and we actually have the criteria to, to be a good judge or not to be a good judge, just to get into judging. <laughs> right. um, thick skin is good. You know, uh, that, that really helps a lot. Um, I think you that, just that, that, that helps if you if you want to be a good instructor as well and be able to take yeah. critique too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you have to be, um, I, I really have talked about this before, you know, you have to um, be honest, you know, you have to be honest, you have to be open uh, to new ideas and, and new things. You, you have to really think beyond your own bias and be open because in the world of drum corps, I mean, if we were to look even just five years ago, it's, it's moved so fast and so right. forward, you know? Uh, so you have to be kind of open to the possibilities that, that new things will come uh, with the activity. Uh, uh, that's actually what my next question was going to be. So, so I, I mean, I was introduced to drum corps five years ago. Uh, maybe it's, it might be six years ago now. Um, before that, I had no idea what drum corps was. Um, I was brought into a project here in Ireland to conduct, um, and it was the composer of the, the piece of music that had brought me in. I kind of came from the concert band world, and uh, I met John Denovi, a mutual friend, and I was kind of hooked on it pretty quickly. Um, but in those couple of years, I've noticed, like my, just myself, how much the activity has even changed in, in, over that small space of time. And... Um, 
drum corps wouldn't be pushing the envelope so far if they didn't think that it would get them a high score. So judges play a big part in um, helping the activity to develop create um, from, a, from a creative point of view too. Um, would you agree with that, I suppose, is my question. Um, you, you have to be open to a lot of these new ideas in order to mark them and, it, and therefore encourage the cores to do more of that. Sure. Uh, it, it's kind of a partnership because the cores themselves, so I mean, the way Drum Corps International works anyway, uh, the, the instructional staff, the cores themselves, they're the ones who come up with this, the, the ideas of, of what should be evaluated, how much weight should be given to this, that, or the other thing. And so uh, that's one of the unique things about the organization. Um, and the judging community, we in turn uh, take those rules, interpret them, and try to be as accurate as possible in um, uh, responding, reacting, and rewarding whatever they hear in the performance or see in the performance. Mm. No, it, it, I just find it. I just find it fascinating. Like drum corps uh, international in particular, fascinating in that it it does strive for creativity and innovation. And um, I mean, we're all aware of organizations and groups and bands and uh, different parts of the world where that sort of innovation isn't sought after. And I mean, like, <laughs> I suppose anyone that's part of the drum corps international world and the fandom and so on. I mean, it's it's a split to split uh, sort of audience on that then as well about how much innovation is a good thing to sometimes. But uh, I, I mean, I, I just find it fascinating how much DCI really does push the envelopes uh, and push the envelope and and. Uh, the judges obviously play a big part, and I think maybe that is is undervalued sometimes. Um, sorry, John, were you going to say something? Well, I would, I would, I really do want to tag on to this that um, what you're, the point you were just making. Yes, the creativity is really important, but I think if you were to ask any of the instructioner staff uh, with these cores, mm -hmm. with these major cores, they'll say that the foundation, the, you know, the fundamentals, and the, the you know, the uh, learning the basic skills of uh, movement and and performing on your instrument are are really critical, and that's critical in the concert band world. It's critical in parade band world. It's critical in the community band world, um, and the marching show band world. I mean, if if we can learn those fundamentals and do them really well, the difference really. I I, I try to tell this because I do a lot of work around the world, is to ask people to to play within their means and to 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 uh, reach out. Um, to their membership and achieve what's possible within their means. They, they cannot all be mm -hmm. like the champion drum corps um, because those groups have a lot of resources. They have a lot of instructional resources. They have a lot of equipment resources. They have the uniform manufacturers supporting them. They have, a, let's be honest, a, a lot. They used to have a lot of money. <laughs> uh, now that this thing is here, you know, it's a whole nother story. But um, they put that expenditure into that creativity and design because because that world can exist that way. Um, mm. So, I, but it's really important to understand where we came from. You know, you talked about where I got started, and mm -hmm. we learned the fundamentals. And then, as you get to a certain point, you can then maybe stretch things a little bit and try something else. But you can't just imitate what DCI tries to do without knowing the skills to do. And and, and, th and this was part of your philosophy and and, and others. I mean, our, our mutual friend John Denovi included um, when you were designing the idea of what Soundsport is. Is yes. that right? Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone that for anyone that doesn't know, and I mean, there's plenty of people uh, that still don't know what Soundsport is, and there's plenty of people that think that they know what it is, but 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 maybe uh, still don't fully understand. Um, 
so for any of the DCI fans out there, for any of the European band musicians that aren't really involved in the marching band world at all, what is Soundsport and what was the philosophy behind creating the idea in the first place? So the, the, the opportunity for any musical or e even movement ensemble to perform and get some positive feedback, get a, a sense of their um, uh, strengths and what their next steps are, are going to be is where we started with Soundsport. It, it really started out as a non-scored event. It, it was um, open to community bands, bicycle bands, drum lines, uh, anything that that uh, people wanted to bring bring forward, anything that involved music and movement. Uh, and then so um, they use a slightly smaller stage. Typically, they're smaller groups. Not always, but typically. For the most part, they're smaller groups. And uh, it's just an opportunity um, to be part of the international stage. And DCI supports this. We, we can do it virtually, and we have been doing it virtually. I, I've given feedback and done a lot of uh, assessments of groups from all around the world, China, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, and Europe. Uh, so those groups can submit uh, through the DCI portal um, their uh, performances, and regardless of where they are, and uh, get some feedback from, uh, you know, sometimes it's me, but often it's uh, other people on the DCI roster um, to see uh, where, th where they're going. And we don't give them a score. We, we mm -hmm. kind of go ratings, you know, this is a gold, silver, bronze. We've been using that, you know, Kind of standard and um, potentially potentially there can be more than one gold uh recipient then at the end of the day if they all perform at a good level they, they can all get that gold and 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 what i've found about it um as a as a um as an event organizer is that it encourages the groups to um cheer each other on and to encourage each other because they're not competing for that one gold um, if they've got their gold already, or if they've done they've done a great um, uh, performance, they can still encourage their fellow band members or their their colleagues in another band to do really well because they all want to go home and with with a, with a good result at the end of the day. Uh, end of the day, um, it's it, it's certainly something that has suited Ireland very well. And and I'm on the council of the Irish Marching Band Association with with with. Um, Ushi Malloy and uh, some of the some of the other guys here in Ireland, and um, it, it's certainly something that has helped the activity to grow here in Ireland, because um, because you've designed it to be uh, flexible and to, to take part in any sort of size space. We've been able to do it outside of a castle here in Ireland. Uh, we've been able to do it in a in a park uh, in in a city, uh, and so we're bringing the activity to people rather than trying to bring audiences to a big football field to see, uh, you know, and the, the, the unique problem that we have here in Ireland is that our football fields are double the size of, a, of a, an American football uh, yeah. field. So you've got these huge fields and small little bands sometimes of maybe 30 or 40 people. And, you know, it just never looks that impressive. And so you reduce the size of that field and you increase the flexibility and you put it into a unique town square or park or a castle or something like that now all of a sudden it just becomes this amazing event that people are going well this is great i've never seen this before even though we've been doing it on football fields and nobody's been coming for uh decades in some cases you know yeah and i do i'd equate it to uh like a music festival you know right. like a band festival or just a celebration and really there there isn't a first second third kind of thing typically there will be people will get their their medals you know whether gold silver bronze 
And then uh, there will be one group recognized as sort of a best in show kind of deal, but um, that's up to the festival organizer, the mm -hmm. Soundsport event organizer. I know with our festival uh, last year, the Celtic Band Festival, it was our first time holding it, and uh, there was uh, uh, two Soundsport events. Uh, we had a Soundsport event on the Saturday night, and that was called Soundsport Exhibition, and there was no uh, judging whatsoever. Whatsoever, There was feedback. There was live feedback on the night. We had John Meehan from the Blue Devils came over, and he uh, just gave a little bit of uh, feedback over a microphone to every band live in front of the audience, a little bit like the X Factor. Yeah. you know um and uh, that was great and people really enjoyed it. audience members that were just in the park on the day that knew absolutely nothing about bands they were able to just hear uh, some feedback and, and see what what this guy over from america thought of their of these bands but the very next day on the sunday we had sort of the 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 judged uh, competitions and so we had Walmsby there we had dce judges chunkor europe and um, actually sorry they, they were the EDCGA, European Drum Corps Judges Association judges, and um, and we also had a judge sound sport competition that day then as well. So you can do both. You absolutely. And we we did both in one festival. So yes, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's um, it's the really the spirit of of uh, music sharing and and performance sharing. We have at the DCI Championships every year. Uh, we have a fairly extensive sound sport. Um, program and it's grown a lot. I mean, I think we're over 20 groups, 24 groups or something um, from all around the world and uh, many from America, of course, but uh, uh, it's, it's grown, I think, because of the, it's not threatening. It's not like, you know, you have to expend uh, huge amounts of money to be able to put a group out there. And I think you make a really great point about the stage. It's setting the stage in a smaller environment. You could do it on a tennis, you know, take the nets down, do it on tennis courts. You could do it in a hockey arena or whatever. It's like show band. So yeah. Great. And I think for anyone that's, that's thinking about, and I would encourage anyone that over the, over the summer, um, we may all find ourselves, ourselves back in, you know, with our groups, maybe by August. Now it's too late to organize major events at that stage to do something. Um, but it may be, you know, a Soundsport event can actually be put together fairly quickly. Um, so, so there's a real opportunity there for groups to investigate what Soundsport is and maybe run a Soundsport event in August or September or even October, depending on the weather and where you are. Um, but the one piece of advice I, I, I would like to give to anyone doing it is to find like a really cool space you know, like it doesn't because because it's like basketball court size space, and because we encourage the uh, audience to, to stand around in a three sixty, um, uh, and, and therefore the performers to play to a three sixty uh, audience, um, it can really be anywhere. Uh, and if you can bring the activity into a public space with a cool background, I mean, I actually love where where it's done in um, Indianapolis uh, up until this year, anyway, um, with Lucas Oil Stadium in the background. You know, just that backdrop to it is really, really cool. You know. Yeah, and you know, for those who have um, never heard the judge evaluation, you don't have to be afraid. It's the judges are not uh, picking holes in the performance. I mean, if things are not all lined up or not all perfectly in tune that's not where the judges go to first their commentary is going to be very positive initially um, responding and reacting to those things that are really well developed and creative ideas and then from there they might give some suggestions for next steps so that's that's the whole spirit of sound sport
Yeah, and and we we've actually even had some concert bands that have come come in and uh, you know just swayed left to right maybe a little bit and maybe had someone maybe do a, you know one or two of their band members do a little bit of more movement, but it was just it's it's to that philosophy of it's movement and music and uh, and then you come back the next year and there's a little bit more movement, great you know, but um, no, it's look it's it's a, it's a great activity. I I, I do really advise people that if you haven't looked into what Soundsport is, it's absolutely worth looking into whether you are a concert band person that has never had any involvement with Drum Corps International or whether you're a Drum Corps seasoned veteran, um, but you may be looking at trying to downscale um, the, your sort of activity this year, um, it's definitely worth looking into. Um, John, these, uh, these days you're actually the Chief Judge, judge Administrator for, for, for DCI. What does that entail? And You've been doing it for quite some time now. You've actually been in that position for, for quite some time and, and a Hall of Famer since 2015. Um, what does a chief judge administrator have to do on an annual basis? So I started in two, the year 2000. That was uh, my first year as judge administrator. So it's been 20 years. And um, I mentioned the Bluecoats. I, I worked with them three years prior to that. So I guess it was just a, a good timing. Dan Atchison reached out to me. They were uh, going to be in, instituting a new judging system at that point. Uh, this is when we finally brought Color Guard into the mix and Color Guard received some points for their, their work. Pre previous to that, they weren't actually a scored component of, of the, the drum corps community. Well, I, so, I didn't realize that actually. Yeah, so in 2000, um, the, uh, you know, we, we went to um, the system of eight judges that we have now, all with the same amount of points. Um, and, uh, you know, here's, here's kind of my calendar. Uh, each January, I will meet with the cores, and the, the, we had about 100 instructors uh, come together. We call it an instructor summit. We uh, gathered this year in Indianapolis. It's been different places over the years. But uh, we'll meet together, and we kind of throw it out there and say, okay, what are we doing well, you know, as a community? Uh, what do you want to see emphasis on? What, you know, what do we want to throw out? What do we want to keep? And what do we need to bring into the mix? I mean, I'm generalizing here, but that's basically, those are the kind of framework questions that we ask every couple of years at, at what we call our Rules Congress. And the instructors come up with some great ideas. You know, they may say, you've probably seen, Keith, uh, a proliferation of set pieces and props and right. use of electronic sounds. I mean, the electronics 10 years ago didn't exist. And then, you know, I remember being in Denver, Colorado, and that's where we kind of, you know, opened Pandora's box and it just the band world had experimented with a little bit, but it's gone through the roof, you know. Well, my, my first year really sort of watching drum corps um, was the year of Blue Colts doing Tilt. And um, and that was sort of my my first introduction into how electronics can be, really be used um, in conjunction with the, with, the, um, with the design of the show then as well, um, with the visual. Um, and I was blown away by it. Like, I mean, uh, I put my cards at the table. I'm all for what what the modern drum cores are doing, but then I've only been in, involved in for, for the last five years. So yeah. I, I don't have any other reference. Um, so, but um, that's really interesting to see that, that there's, there's a discussion between you guys and the instructors to see where the envelope needs to be pushed. Right. And we take that information from January and then over the next five months, develop a curriculum that we will put together for uh, the judge training. So I have a team, I have some uh, caption leaders in each of the areas in the music and visual, uh, and the music breaks down both percussion and brass. 
And they help develop a curriculum that we'll take to our judges just before the season begins. And we have a training session. And we sometimes have done that face to face. So we have just over 100 judges um, to wow. service about 130 events that uh, DCI stages throughout the summer. Uh, so it's a very big administrative piece because it involves travel. The contests go from the, all the way up in Oregon and, and, and uh, Washington on the West Coast down here to Florida um, and cities and towns all the way in between. And not all the stadiums are like Lucas Oil Field. I mean, we've got <laughs> cornfields in Iowa with the bleachers, you know, that uh, groups perform on. But um, those local communities, a lot of them are schools and they use it as a fundraiser event because uh, they, they have summer band camp going on and all the band kids will go and the community band will come together and watch those events because uh, they don't get to see that standard of performance um, right. on a regular basis. Anyway, uh, so, you know, we start in January, come up with those ideas, we get ready to train. And then I also have to find out how many uh, judges are available on certain dates. So there's a lot of administration there. They, they will uh, indicate their availability. They'll be assigned to the various events. And uh, for the most part, we have eight judges at every event. But in some events, we double up our effect judges uh, in the larger events. And you know these are again things that the drum corps have asked for. So, so for anyone that isn't isn't aware of how a marching band uh, or drum corps show is normally judged with with eight judges like this, because that's kind of standard across a lot of um, the marching arts worlds. And I know Wamsby is different with three judges, um, although they have eight for or nine, I think, isn't it for for world championship finals? Um, but what what do those eight judges do? What are the what are the captions um, for right. each one of those judges? Just for anyone that's not aware of that, because we're sure. used to, certainly here in Ireland, we're used to kind of guilty with one judge judging thirty bands over the course of fifteen right. hours. Yes. So um, because of I mentioned all the resources that go into these uh, groups, they they really try to hone their craft. They want to be the best of the best, and so they want to be evaluated on every aspect of their performance. So I'll start with the, the individual judges. So we had three judges on the down on the field with the performers looking at three things. One is looking at the technique and, and skills and musicianship of the percussion. One is looking at the technique and skills of the brass. And one is looking at the technique and skills of the movement, the marching. So some of it's marching, but we've really evolved. You know, you're talking about how things have changed. I mean, one of the things is there's less marching and a lot more dancing and movement right. now and choreography than we would have seen, say, 10 years ago. Um, but they still marching is still an important part. And so those three judges uh, look at the individual performer. Then uh, up in the press box area or further up, in, depending on the stadium, further up in the stands, we'll have three judges uh, who look at a, a bit more global picture, the, the, what we call the analysis judges. Uh, one of them is a visual analysis judge, and they look at all of the visual components, um, again, from a more macro standpoint. Uh, and then we have a music analysis judge who listens to both the percussion and the brass, and whether they're together in time and tune um, and expressive together. And then we have our color guard judge who looks at the use of the, uh, the various uh, implements that color guard members in DCI use. So, you know, they're not just uh, dancing. Uh, they use flags, they use rifles, mm -hmm. they use sabers. Uh, they sometimes use invented uh, set of props that they will spin. And then there are two, so that adds up to six judges, uh, three um, up in the stands, 
three on the field. And then we have two other judges upstairs uh, looking at the big picture. And we call that general effect or effect. And they look at how the music and the movement all coordinates and all comes together mm -hmm. uh, to create an impact. Um, so they'll consider how the audience is reacting. They'll consider um, how the design is, is put together, the overall design. So they look at the, all of those big picture things, the, you know, the way the props are integrated into the program, the way the colors are used. Um, costumes are an important part of all of these things. Um, and basically, you know, has the group developed a theme? Are they consistent? And do they use the best time that they have available out there uh, to make their impression? So that's the effect judges. Mm. And I'm interested to hear you say one of the things that, that I just picked up on there was to, to see how the audience reacts. How much how much does audience reaction play into how a judge or how that particular judge will um, will will score? Well, maybe not even score, but how they will will will, will be judging and, and reacting and giving feedback based on the audience. I mean, sometimes I wish it was as simple as audience <laughs> reaction. We just get a meter and we all like, we've got the most uh, noise meter from the audience. It would be really simple and might make my job a lot easier. We would blame it on the folks sitting there. But um, we call it audience engagement. And and one of the things when we brought that into the mix in, in the assessment and evaluation, again, the cores thought of this, uh, is that we, we look at... Um, the judge being the most informed audience member, <laughs> right. right? I mean, they should have an understanding of uh, both music and movement to the point where they're going to be able to uh, realize whether or not design A, B, or C is um, the more superior one. Uh, so um, when we talk about audience engagement, uh, it's not about how much the visceral reaction of the audience has on the judge, but certainly um, the judge has to think, okay, if I'm just paying money to come here and see, right. you know, how much of an impression is this having on me? I mean, without getting too technical, we talk about three domains when we're judging effect. We talk about the, the intellectual side because the drum corps sometimes really do um, put a lot of thought into all of the detailing. Uh, you know, I, I could, Cite a number of cores and, uh, from last year and break it down. But we don't have. Yeah, well, I, I was and I, I wouldn't put you in that in in that spot. But I can well, just I really, you know, yeah. you know the, the, the first and second place last year is that intellectual versus the and I mean, look, both of them were crowd pleasers. Both of them then also had an intellectual aspect to what they were doing. I mean, they were both incredible shows. Absolutely. So, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm not on the spot, but you, they are that is probably an example of those two extremes maybe playing against each other. There's so many subtleties that yeah. people, the audience, the average audience member would not have seen. And then, right. of course, how does the judge pick up on those? Well, a lot of it's experience. You talk about my experience. There's a lot of judges on the roster with some good years of experience under them. We have a lot of new judges that we continue to train. And so that's, that's an important part. The more you judge, the more you see, the more you experience, the more you can bring to um, your craft as uh, someone who can rank and rate the groups, but also to giving input to the groups to say, you know, if you were to think about trying this, it just might take it that extra step and help, you know, get, get your point across. So, um, you know, that's really kind of where that whole audience engagement thing is about, is, is really the experience of the judge and, and really looking at that intellectual side. We talk about um, the aesthetic side, that's just the art artistry of it all. And then there's the emotional side. And that's, you know, drum corps are really good at the emotional side. They can, they can get people to stand up 
They think absolutely. But I think sometimes um, even more effective is when the audience, they have the audience sitting on the edge of their seat, just hanging there. And sometimes mm-hmm. they do that with one musician or one dancer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes less can be more. And uh, it used to be about everybody playing all the time. But now I think we've, we've moved on to that and exploring and experimenting different textures of sound and visual design. And that's a very important part in the evaluation process. No, it's, you know what, I'm just, I'm hearing you speak about it, it's just making me miss, miss uh, what, what, you know, what we're going to be, what, what we're not going to be doing this year, you know, I was really looking forward to another great season. Um, so, well, well, with that in mind, I suppose it kind of comes to one of my next questions then. We have a year now where there isn't going to be a season and we may have quite a few people out there kind of looking how, to see how they can develop themselves in the activity or how they can get involved in the activity. Um and then you may have quite a few people that might be looking at themselves and saying, well, I might actually like to get involved in, in some judging. How does someone um, get involved in this line of line of work? And I, mean, I know you, you pointed to the website, but, but I suppose anywhere in the world. I mean, we have judges. I, was, I spoke to Jimmy Wong from Malaysia earlier on, who judges across the world. And uh, now I'm speaking to you tonight. So there's judges from all over the world involved in the marching arts. How does someone start to get involved in this activity? Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, it, it's it's important that you have some teaching experience. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just performed in the group uh, and then said, "I want to be a judge," you may not necessarily have uh, enough understanding. Or, or I think it, it's important to know what it takes to get to a certain level before you can be assessing and evaluating that. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, you know, teaching is really important. So for young, younger people, younger, either music or visual uh, performers, I, I would say, you know, volunteer, become a, uh, work with a group of any description, whether it's a drum corps or a band, and, and ask the, uh, the head person if you can help out and, and, you know, they can mentor you along to get you started. But teaching is a very important part. Having the opportunity to design is is great as well. And now that we have so much time on our hands, there's all kinds of tutorials you want to do. If you want to learn pieware or you want to learn, uh, you know, finale or something, now's the time to do your, you know, to try your hand at, at arranging music and at, at writing drills so that you can get some experience at that. And uh, hopefully you'll get that opportunity that I had when I was in university to, to actually, you know, teach a group um, because that's really important. Uh, I think that's that's really the, a critical part, and um, from that uh, you can begin some sort of training program. In America, there are many other pageantry organizations like local, um, state marching band associations. So we have the luxury of that, where somebody could actually become an adjudicator at the state marching band level, mm-hmm. and then get some experience, and then ask to be a, a DCI judge. Um, so we, we, we screen the, judge, the people, that the candidates who want to be, you know, they have to have some judging experience because DCI is such an intense competitive activity and there's so much money that's been put into it. You know, we can't use it as a kind of a training, a testing ground for a new judge. That's, that's kind of how it was for me. I was like, yeah. or swim. I got thrown into the <laughs> pond and I had to, you know. There wasn't, there wasn't much. There wasn't as much money on on online at that time, and there wasn't as much uh, fan feedback. Should we say? Well, there was a lot of booing if the wrong one, <laughs> in their <laughs> mind, didn't win. But yeah. uh, you know, it, it it really was a different time. 
uh, you know, 40 yeah. years ago. Well, tell, to, um, I mean, that's, I think that's some great advice. And I mean, actually, when you, when you said learn pieware, it just, it kind of cut to the bone a little bit for me. <laughs> I've been meaning to do it for years and maybe now is the time to actually uh, yeah. do that. But uh, I am trying to learn flute now at the moment. So um, <laughs> I keep up the practice there too. Um, so these days, in addition to doing your um, uh work with DCI, you're also working with Con Selmer as a clinician and as a music, music education consultant then as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about the work that you do as a clinician, uh, what that involves, and uh, also um, Con Selmer um, have announced their new Connect um, uh, initiative for the year that's in it. Um, tell me a little bit more about that then as well. Sure. Thanks for bringing that up, Keith, because, uh, you know, Con Selmer is um, doing some really great things. Their education division is doing some amazing things. And uh, um, I think we talked earlier about possibly uh, you connecting with Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser. And I think that would be great because he's he's really an important catalyst in uh, helping them, them reach out to a broader community of, of music educators here in America, but around the world as well. And um, so, you know, as a, as a clinician, uh, I'm part of a roster of over 125 or 130 uh, clinicians who are available to go and do clinics with bands and marching bands. Uh, but, in, you know, during the winter months, I primarily do evaluation and, and clinics with uh, concert bands, um, you know, of any description, uh, high, typically high school groups. Um, there are a lot of what we call uh, band festivals, and uh, those would run anywhere from you know, a dozen groups on a particular one day, or I've done band festivals where they'll have 160 bands over four days and have a, a roster of judges kind of working through the uh, the performances where we will listen to the group perform and then we'll go into a, an, another room and have a clinic, a workshop with the group on their, either on their music or some concept that uh, they might need some development with. So um, we do that through the festival side as a clinician. We also are available for people to just go to Con Selmer and they can actually receive some financial support uh, to help hire, if you will, uh, one of their clinicians to go and do this. So one of the things that Con Selmer has been doing for a number of years is their Con Selmer Institute that takes place mm -hmm. in June and it's in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, but obviously we're not going to be able to do that because of uh, the current pandemic. So um, they have been very creative and very innovative in developing a virtual uh, clinic. And they're, they're going to be, these will be live, just like we are, live streamed um, workshops with uh, people. And there will be some degree of interactivity. I'm not sure exactly how it's all going to look, but they said they got the bandwidth to take 5,000 people. So we'll wow. see how many they, they can get online at any one time. And I think what you're going to do is select a classroom. And you'll pick, I want to go see this workshop or I want to sit in on this particular session. Uh, there'll be some things that'll be basically somebody a welcoming and uh, an overall um, welcome to the, uh, to the forum kind of thing. And then there'll be, as I say, individual classrooms that people can go into. Uh, mm -hmm. And you've, you've been kind enough to provide the link to everyone. And I think I, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to let, I know you've said, uh, on one of your podcasts, you announced that there, there was even a, a further discount. And they're not mm -hmm. doing that because they're trying to beg people to come, but right. they're trying to say, how do we make this accessible for everybody under the circumstances? Because people, the big thing is people might need money for rent or, or meal. Right. You know, how do you afford to go and do this? But um, anyone in the world can 
sit in on this. And that's the great thing. You don't have to travel to Elkhart, Indiana to be part well, of it. Well, that, I, I think that's the amazing part of this 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 year. I mean, and um, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the, 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 the pandemic is something that we, 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 we hope disappears as quickly as possible and that we can all return to our normal lives and everyone stay safe and, and well. Um, but the last couple of um, months has provided opportunities for international musicians that have probably never been there before. I mean, I, I, I would reference Lone Star Wind Orchestra inviting people to perform with them and do world premieres of Julie Giroux's music. But Con Selmer, what you guys are doing is, is very similar. I mean, most uh, Irish musicians, for instance, um, won't, tr won't get the opportunity to go over to the Con Selmer Institute um uh, or or go to anything uh, we don't we don't really have anything similar like the cup <laughs> we don't have anything similar to it here in ireland you know with it with, with with sort of a, a band um uh, perspective so um there's a real opportunity here for musicians that haven't taken part in, in any of these conventions or professional development opportunities before to get involved and um, I, I would hope that this would might, might, might be something that might actually continue not to just yourselves but but to many organizations that have the that have the um facilities to to welcome people internationally virtually and to do this from now on too yeah and i mean you you're right on when when you talk about um this uh as as much as we feel isolated we've actually been brought closer together globally uh, in mm -hmm. some ways by things like you've described, the, uh, the Lone Star. And, you know, um, I saw a video of uh, Gene Corporon describing like his intro to who could be part of this uh, is just beautiful. He talks about, you know, it, the music touches our soul. And I think a lot of people are missing that. And when you're, when you, especially when you can interact with somebody else, it's not quite the same as being in the same room with them. But it's, it's pretty it's, close. It, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the number of opportunities. And so um, with this particular one, you know, you look at some of the different topics and some things will be of interest and some are more for an administrator's perspective. But I, I there's they're talking a lot about tuning at this one. And I think we could all use some help with tuning. <laughs> so if if nothing else, it's worth a hundred bucks to your band or whatever <laughs> ensemble uh, a bit more. And I think that's one of the great things. Uh, you know, I, would, I am I am very happy to pay $130 to learn how to tune my band a bit, yeah. a bit more. <laughs> well, and, and like I, I sent you that code so you can get another 25% off. So it's just that's over a hundred dollars American. I don't know. Yeah. No, look, it's, it's, I'll be throughout the next month and, and, and months, I'll be sharing the link to this and letting people more know about it. I've, I've been very, very blessed and lucky um, over the last five to six years to be able to attend things like the Midwest Clinic and the uh, TMEA and, and, and DCI finals and meet some of the best people uh, working in this industry. And um, this is an opportunity for anyone that can't afford to, to, to get those flights and hotel rooms. I, I'm lucky that my my, my job pays for me to do this, but but not everyone's that lucky. And um, this is a real opportunity for people to, to get involved and, and see what this sort of um, organization can offer. Um, but uh, yeah, I do. I, I heard something earlier on today that, um, and, and I like I, I like this perspective on the global crisis right now at the moment. That um, this may be the most altruistic moment in hu in humanity. That the whole world is coming together to um, defeat a common enemy, 
And uh, it's I, I, I thought that was just a really nice perspective on this. I mean, obviously, um, obviously, there's pockets of the world that that that, that are doing it more than others, but uh, but for the most part, it, it seems to be a very altruistic moment in our history, and I think that's something to be proud of. Yeah, you know, um, if we can just quickly circle back to DCI, because one of the <laughs> things that I I do want to give. Um, people some hope for if you like if you like drum corps and if you like <laughs> drum corps international, you know there all of the cores are meeting uh, virtually uh, every week uh, to continue uh, to stay vital to stay alive to to keep their membership interested and they're they're excited to put on their season next summer in 2021. It it may be altered it may be the same who knows but um, I, you know I'm very encouraged by that. Uh, that even though we're in kind of a hiatus right now and we won't have it on the field this summer, um, I think there'll be some some of these kinds of things that we talked about, sound sports style presentations, maybe, you know, put do a virtual group or something. But as, as this, you know, the longer that the, the uh, hiatus continues, um, the more inventive and, and innovative I think people are going to become. Uh, but, the you know, the the thing we can hope and look forward to in in like you with St. Patrick's Day celebrations and um, with Drum Corps International is that it's going to come back and it'll come yeah. back stronger than ever. And they they have a a mantra, uh, you know, their hashtag uh, March on. March. That's, that's the kind of their mantra for uh, going forward. And I'm optimistic about it. I think it's going to come back and be strong. Well, listen, I'm, uh, let's let's finish on that really positive note, John. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a real honor, and um, it's been great to be able to catch up and see you. And every time that I talk to you, I'm a little bit more more inspired. Um, where can people find find you, John, and, and find out uh, a little bit more about your work with DCI and Conselmer? Uh, well, if they did go to the Conselmer website under clinicians, I'm listed there as a clinician, and my contact information is is all on there. Um, or you can just do J Phillips, that's two L's at dci.org. Uh, before we finish, I want to hold up my Ireland mug and give a shout out to my friends at the uh, the band down in Clonmel because uh, I had a great opportunity. Uh, you know, while we're talking to you over in Ireland, uh, Danny Carroll and I know his son Fergal, the composer. Uh, and I've met some of his other family members. Uh, they all participate in that community band down there, and they're very good and uh, yeah. great lads. Uh, I got to play golf down in Clonmel, and I got to have a, a grand time when I visited uh, a few years ago on my way back from Italy. So, uh, yeah, the, the Clonmel Blue Hawks, the Cl band of Clonmel, um, they're a brilliant band. They have their their March band, which is the Blue Hawks, and then they have the Clonmel concert band then as well. And Danny Carroll was one of the first recipients of the Bands of Ireland Hall of Fame awards that we held back in November then as well. So uh, he's a, a legend of the band world here. And his son, Fergal, was my commanding officer for a number of years too. So uh, they're, they're uh, an amazing family. Uh, an amazing band as well, yeah. yeah. Well, cheer, cheers to that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for this opportunity. Thanks, John. And keep safe and stay in touch. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. So again, a huge thank you to John for coming on to the podcast. He's an amazing guy. I always love having an opportunity to chat with him. Um, if you'd like to find out more about John and his work, you can head over to dci.org or you can head over to the Bands of Ireland forward slash global band room podcast. And then we are also on Facebook and Instagram at the global band room. 
Thank you to everyone who has downloaded and listened to the podcast. If you haven't already done so, you can let your family and friends and band buddies know about the podcast. So keep practicing, keep listening, and we'll see you next time back in the band room.